but we're coming back, all right? So we're back with our rebranding series, which is we're asking six important questions uh, of the church, okay? So if you remember, in week one, we were asking, why do we exist as a church, right? We asked, why do we exist? So those of you who are here, who, what was the answer? There were three words. Up, in, out. There we go. We're getting it, all right? So we exist to go up, to give glory to God, to honor God, to worship God. We exist to go in, to, to look at our lives, to, to be more like Jesus, and to go out to share Jesus with the world, all right? So then what was week number two? This was two weeks ago. What was the question? Do you remember? What are we for? Exactly, right? Because the church often is known for the things that we're against, right? And so we weren't advocating that the church shouldn't be against things. We are advocating that we're only against things because they prevent people from accessing what we want, what we're for. We're for them having life, eternal life, life to the fullest, as Jesus puts it. So we're building, right? We're continuing to build. And so our next question is, what unites us? Because if you look around at the world today, you might think that it's more divided than ever, right? And it's divided in a way that nobody crosses over like the middle line, right? So I've got my, I've got my little cord, right? We can use this as our center line, right? So it used to be that we, would, the, that we had this priority to take care of each other, right? And so the priority was we, would, we could cross any line, whether it was moral or ethical or political, we would cross the line so we could take care of our neighbors, right? We would work together. But what we have right now are poles, right? We're either all the way on one side or all the way on the other. There's polar opposites, and nobody wants to work together, right? Nobody wants to work together. And we see this, right, even in Christianity, even in the church, right? Because there, there are people in this service this morning who probably don't agree with where you stand on politics or morals or ethics or you name it, Right? They might not agree. They probably don't agree with you on what the, favorite, the, what the best movie ever made is, right? We have a lot of things we disagree about. And the, the, the hard part is, if we're being honest, there are good people on both sides of every issue, right? It's hard to see that sometimes, right? But there are good, si good people on both sides of every issue. The problem is we villainize the people who disagree with us. We spend all of our time in what would be called an echo chamber, which is people who sound and look and act just like us. And so the middle, those who try to work together despite differences, have virtually disappeared. And the church is supposed to be this place which is countercultural, right? The church should be a place where all people, no matter where they fall, can come together because we unite around something. But yet division has infected the church as well. Right? So you look at the global church, you have the, the Catholic and Protestant split, which is ages old at this point, right? But we have this split. And then if you look at even just within the Protestant denominations, right? 9,000 Protestant denominations in the world. 9,000! <laughs> okay? And then you look even just within our own denomination, within the United Methodist Church, we don't even have to get started on that, on how divided we are as a denomination, and this often comes down even to like local church level, right? People within this very space right now, whether it's here in person or in the cars or online, if you're here with us today, I guarantee you, you will find people in this space who don't agree with you on politics, who don't agree with you on the approach the church should take to ministry. They won't agree with you on the style our worship should be. We don't agree on how our finances should be spent. We don't agree on where the church should go next, our future, right? Right? 
And the problem is we let these differences fester and we ignore them, right? And so when we ignore them, instead of dealing with them, they end up coming up eventually anyway, just a lot more ugly. Meanwhile, while we're in this world of division and everybody's picking a side, meanwhile, Scripture calls us to unity, like over and over and over and over again, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, Phil, 2, 2, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. Psalm 133, 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And my personal favorite, Romans 15, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we reconcile the fact that the, the world is divided, the church is divided, and yet the scriptures call us over and over and over again to be united? How do we reconcile these things? Well, I think that it's all in where we focus. Because a lot of the division is uh, setting up camps in different focus points. And so... We talk a lot about our different divisions and we, we kind of set up shop in our corners and it's easy to get wrapped up in them. But we have to ask ourselves, if Scripture is asking us to be united, what can unite us, right? If each of us has, has different areas that we have, have chosen to stake our claim, what is it that brings us together? What, what unites us? What do we share together? And so Jesus prays about this. I don't know if you guys know this. Jesus prayed, okay? Let's start with that. That's the easy one, right? Jesus prayed. But if you look and turn in your scripture to John 17, that's where we're going to be looking this morning, Jesus prayers, prays pretty extensively here. Jesus prays. John 17, starting in verse 20. And here is what he prays. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now, I don't know about you. I read that and I think, what in the world is he talking about? There's a lot of he and I and me and you and them and me. and What in the world is going on in this passage? <laughs> but if we break it down, right, Jesus is praying for you and I. Because he says, my prayer is not for them alone. He'd been praying for the disciples. But for all those who would believe in me through their message, right? That's you and me. 
Okay, we came to believe because somebody else told us and somebody else told them and somebody else told them and somebody else told them, right? Eventually, it all goes back to 11 guys who we call the disciples. So he says, for all those who would come after, his prayer is that all of them may be one. So Jesus prays, I want all of my followers to be one. One in what? Right? How do, we, how do we find one in a world where there's 9,000 denominations? How do we find one? Well, Jesus clues us in in verse 21. He says, just as you are in me and I am in you. See, we get into a little bit of what we would call in seminary Trinitarian theology, which is a fancy way of saying that God is three persons in one. Right? Three persons in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, just as you and I, God, just as the Father and the Son are one and yet different, so too I want my people to be one. I want them to be united, right? Likened in relationship to one another. Separate persons, but with the same heart, the same spirit, the same mission. United in being, as Jesus puts it, in us, right? United in their pursuit of Jesus. United in our heart for God, united in a spirit of unity, united in our mission to go up, in, and out. See, these are all aspects of what unites us in Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus comes at it from the positive and says, I want them to be one. Paul comes at it from a different perspective, and he says, I want, them, I want you to die to yourself and become like Jesus. Right? That doesn't mean that you, as a person, <laughs> doesn't mean that you as a person goes away. What it means is that you as a person look more like Jesus, more and more like Jesus. That is what unites us. We're able to be united when we're able to, to as Paul puts it, die to ourselves. as Jesus puts it, focus on the important things, right? Be one. When we're able to die to ourselves so that Christ might live in us. So, so what would it look like if this is what Christianity was about, right? What unites us? We're united in the fact that we love Jesus and we love our neighbor, right? The two things Jesus said we ought to be doing. What would it look like? How would our decision-making change if we all united on that front? Because I have this feeling that disunity comes when what I want is more important than what Jesus wants, because I don't think that Jesus wants multiple things, right? If there's a decision to be made, I think Jesus has an answer for it. So, if, so if, if I think we ought to do this and somebody else thinks we ought to do this, we got to figure out which one Jesus wants. But we don't often ask that question, right? Because we're too wrapped up in what I want. <laughs> and this is where our disunity comes from. And so if, if Jesus is the only decider, I think a lot of our dividing decisions become a whole lot easier. Because we ask, what's right for the kingdom of God? Not, what is right for me? Or what is right for my family? We ask, what's right for the kingdom of God? Right? It's why people become missionaries. Right? Because if they were asking, what's right for me? Nobody in their right mind is going to go, you know what? I want to go live in the brush with no electricity and no toilet. Nobody says that. Right? If the question is, what's right for me? But if the question is, what's right for the kingdom of God, the answer shifts.
So we ask, what is right for the kingdom of God? This is what unites us. We are united best when we are able to put ourselves aside and just seek the heart of God, to seek Jesus. And he says in verses 22 and 23, he says, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one and that they would be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you have sent me. Right? We, we often sing the song, right? They'll know we're Christians by our love. Right? You guys know that line? Right? Except Jesus here says, they'll know you're Christians by your unity. <laughs> That's different. Right? He says, they will know that Jesus is real. They will know that Jesus has, has, has done great things for them in their lives when the church becomes one. Now, if that's the indicator, right? If that's how we show the world that Jesus is here and working and active, it's no wonder nobody sees it, right? Because we divide and we divide and we divide. And the cool part is when we can put ourselves aside and focus on Jesus and live a life of Christ, he says that there will be more glory, right? Because he says, I want them to see my glory, the glory you have given me. There's more glory than the world will know. You see how those two things are tied? When we're united, the world will know because the glory of God will show through it, right? Because in a, in a world divided, because let's be honest, anything outside of the church is not going to get united, right? Politics is not going to unite anybody, Okay morality outside of the church is not going to unite anybody, right? Any cause that is not based in Scripture is not going to bring unity. Christ is what brings us unity. So because of that, when unity is present, people take notice, right? If unity is present, there must be a reason. And we have this great reason, because we follow Jesus, <laughs> Unity is nothing that we have done. It's nothing of our own power, of our own hearts. The unity comes because we've handed over the reins of our lives to Jesus. And so if Jesus is praying for unity, this must be his heart for the church. Because I don't know about you, I don't pray for things I don't want. <laughs> right? I don't know anybody who does that. <laughs> right? God, give me troubles. Right? That's not how we pray. We pray for the things we want to see happen. Jesus is praying for unity. And so if Jesus is praying for unity, we, as followers of Jesus, should be seeking unity. Now, that does not mean that we sacrifice our morals or our values for the sake of unity, as long as our morals and values reflect the heart of Jesus, right? To bring God glory, to reach the lost. If that's where our morals and values lie, then they don't need to be sacrificed. It means that even when there's a deep division, unity in heart and mission should be our end goal. It means that we don't have to agree on everything, church. Right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, I don't think we're going to agree on everything. <laughs> right? I don't expect that. What I do expect it is as a church, we are going to seek to fulfill the heart and mission of Jesus together. That no matter what we disagree on, there are some things that we can unite on. It means that even, even when, there's, when there's reason to disagree, we find reason to work together, right? It's the same reason that churches can, can work across denominational lines, right? It's why we would have no issue uh, doing ministry with Grace or with the Baptist Church across the street, right? Because at the end goal, we might disagree on some things, but we agree on the essentials, which is that God deserves glory and we want to reach the lost, right? We can agree on the essentials. So we might be separate on certain issues, 
which is why we have different denominational loyalties. But at the end of the day, our neighbors are going to be in the same heaven I'm going to be in. <laughs> the same one. And I don't know about you, I don't see in Scripture anywhere where it says there's like a Methodist section, right? Or like the Baptist pew, okay, right? It's, that's not how it works, right? We get to all be together in the same place, worshiping the same Jesus. And so we, we can be united, right? I know we can because Jesus prayed for it. <laughs> and if that's what Jesus wants, I don't know about you, J Jesus said he had all the power. <laughs> like That to me says he can make it happen. And so we can do it. Every, even though every single one of us in this church holds a different values and different beliefs and different even interpretations of Scripture, right? We can be united. Because when the church dies to itself, when you die to yourself and Christ lives, there is no power of hell that can stop the church. Because that's what Jesus said to Peter. He said, I'm going to give you the keys and nothing will stand against it. And then the glory of God comes. And no one resists that, right? It would, be, it would be like an undeniable and unstoppable force in the world because the church comes together. But it requires, as Jesus puts it in John 12, he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life in this world will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So he says, look, who you are, your own preferences, your own desires, so they have to die so that Christ can live. And if Christ is living in me and he's living in you, that means you and I are united. So we can do it. We can be a united church, right? Which is countercultural to the place we live in right now. But we have to all commit to put aside our own preferences, our own desires, our own comforts, to take up the heart and spirit and mission of Jesus. And when we do that, unity will come. We can be united in Jesus. One mind, one spirit, one baptism. The world will see our unity and Jesus will be glorified. So we have to ask ourselves as we wrap up this morning, is this how we would describe our church? Would we describe our church as a place where, where Jesus is glorified and all people are united? That although we may have things we disagree on, all people are welcomed and appreciated and brought together as one in Jesus. Is that what we would use to describe our church? Because if not, there's this great word in Scripture, repentance. We can repent you can say, you know what, God, we didn't get it right. I didn't get it right yesterday. I didn't get it right last week. I haven't gotten it right for years. But I'm going to get it right today. We can die to ourselves so that Christ might live and unity would come. We can do it together this morning, church. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful that you give us an opportunity to repent. That even when we've messed up, even when we haven't gotten it right, God, you let us start new. So God, we come as your people this morning to repent. Because we know, God, that the division that has been just wreaking havoc in our world, God, it's made its way into the church. 
And we know that you want unity. You want us to be united around your son Jesus, dying to ourselves and living out his life. So God, we repent of all the places we've fallen short, all the places we've sown division, all the places that we've seeked our own desires and comforts instead of your face. God, we want to be united to bring you glory and to reach the lost, to look up, in, and out. So God, be with us this morning. Work on our hearts, God, that they may be filled with your spirit and emptied of anything of us. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.